Hey everybody, Rob North here from the Thieves, Rogues, and Renegades podcast. Just saying that if you like what we do and you'd like to support us financially and get access to exclusive content, you can go to patreon.com slash trrpod. As always, hold fast and on with the show. Alright everybody, welcome back to Thieves, Rogues, and Renegades. I'm your host, Rob Nur- Hold on, sorry, one. Yeah, sorry guys, I gotta go get that. That's our big box of leather dildos being Thank delivered from Holland. God, I <laughs> sent for that weeks ago. Well, the first three got burnt to death by customs. Yeah, they wouldn't stop torching <sighs> my dildos. Man, uh, that might be my favorite part from part one. Well, there were a lot of great parts. There were a lot of great parts to part. You should listen to it, because you're listening to Thieves, Rogues, and Renegades. I'm Rob North. I'm your co-host, Chris Miller. And we are joined by... Uh, Kyle. Kyle Graper, our good buddy. It's his fourth episode in a row with us now. Man. He's just kind of joined on. He's like that stray cat that came to the front door and we fed and won't leave. Now he won't leave. Now he's just part of the family. Except, you know, we're actually cat people, so it's kind of cool. Speak for yourself. I know where the beer fridge is. (laughs) I mean, cat people is in. If Kyle's the cat, we like Kyle. (laughs) Speak for yourself. <laughs> Beat it, Kyle. Of course, uh, yeah, we're about to do part two of Fancy Lads Behaving Badly. We're looking at the Hellfire Clubs today. Um, so, to pick, uh, so if you don't know what the Hellfire Clubs are, if this is the first episode you're listening to, um, stop you fool, listen to part one. That's how things work. Yeah, you're not going to enjoy this nearly as much. But uh, the Hellfire Clubs were groups of seemingly upstanding members of the nobility and gentry in Britain and Ireland in the 18th century came together, uh, forming secret clubs to throw out all the norms and expectations of society and indulge in epic bouts of drinking, orgiastic trysts with prostitutes, blasphemy, mockery of uh, religious and royal ceremonies, and... Worshipping perhaps, cats. Perhaps even communion with the devil. <laughs> so, as before, uh, we have two primary literary sources for this episode. We have the Hellfire Clubs, Sex, Satanism, and Secret Societies by Evelyn Lord, which brought us the phrase female pudendum, which I'm still upset about. Having You're not. Read. We were talking about that at the break, and you were not thrilled about it. I was not thrilled about it. It doesn't sit well with me. We also have the Hellfire Clubs, A History of Anti-Morality by Jeffrey Ash, which has no weird euphemisms. For the Volva. Yeah, none at all. Yeah. There's probably a couple in there. Now, we're dealing with part two here, which means we're going to be going from where we left off through to the modern day and the modern day's relationships with the Hellfire Club. So this means that another source has been several little very interesting corners of the internet, uh, some of them quite good historical looks that are at the subject matter, um, articles from the BBC, from History Hustle. But most of these articles are focused on uh, the modern existence of the Hellfire Clubs from an evangelical and conspiracy-based uh, point of view from, fun re- from websites run by a bunch of absolute nutshits. Yeah, I found um, a couple on... There were two videos in a row that I found on YouTube yeah. that went... Uh, it, one went Hellfire Club to Flat Earth, and the other one went Hellfire Club to Chemtrails. Yep. So, yeah, that's a thing. Uh, some of these websites include winterwatch.net, uh, freemasonrywatch.org jesusissavior.com with two hyphens I feel the need to print that up and shatterthedarkness.net yeah, we'll link to those in the, in the show notes 
And um, every single one of those websites has a logo that's an eyeball in crosshairs. I guarantee it. I have a lot of them, but I guarantee well, it. Well, no, a lot. Some of, actually, a couple of them do. <laughs> <laughs> but some of them actually have that like green matrix. Oh yeah, <laughs> it still looks like a MySpace page. But yeah, ShatterTheDarkness.net is especially fun because it's a website run by a real wackadoodle of a fella named Russ Dizdar. Whose bio claims, among many other things, that he's the chaplain for the Dayton, Ohio Police Department. Now, granted, none of his articles are dated, so I can't actually confirm whether he still holds that position. I've been to Dayton, and none of that would surprise me. No. Dayton no. has an Irish club, and that's it. But uh, <laughs> So it would appear that Russ Dizdar's main mission in life is to break open and destroy what he calls the satanic government. <laughs> so, yeah, he's a real yeah, special fellow. But hell yeah. We're going to get to him later because we still do have to go back to the 1700s. And where we left off, we were back in Britain and Ireland in the throes of the Age of Enlightenment, where what we see as the start of our modern society is emerging, where we dealt with all of these secret clubs starting to form, most of them dedicated to partying and raising hell. But then we have two groups that are fully described as the Hellfire Club. Yeah, the ones that were the Fart Squad, and then the other <laughs> no, ones... No, the, the Fart Squad was not connected to the Hellfire Club. Le- give me my fart team, damn it. Leave me alone. Go back to part one to listen <laughs> to a little interlude about the Farting Club. <laughs> so now we come to the most famous of all the Hellfire Clubs. That of Sir Francis Dashwood, 15th Baron Dispenser. Born in 1708, Dashwood was a lifelong rake, going so far as to try to seduce Tsarina Anne of Russia as a young man and had a reputation as a prankster. Uh, one of the reasons he failed to seduce the Tsarina was that he showed up in her court uh, dressed as King Charles XII of Sweden. Which, you think, I think okay, that's all uh, the ID he there's needed. Only, there's only one problem. Charles XII of Sweden was Russia's arch enemy at the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is like showing up to a, this is this is showing up this is showing up to a White House Halloween party trying to seduce the first lady while you're dressed as bin Laden. It's, it's not And here you thought the answer was gonna be like, well at the time it was a constitutional democracy. No, no. you were wrong. So he traveled extensively through Europe in his youth and was the founder of the Dilettanti Society. A uh, dining club whose aim was to make life and art in Britain far more continental. He became a member of Parliament and was said to have been part of a small Hellfire club throughout the 1730s and 40s, although this was probably just membership in a small exclusive drinking club. In 1746, though, the steps to Hellfire truly begin when Dashwood founded the Order of the Knights of St. Francis, uh, meeting at the Georgian Vulture Inn, which still exists, although it has burned down a few times in its existence. Uh, their motto? Face ce que tu voudras which means, do as thou wilt. Mm. Which you'll remember, if you listen to part one, that that was the model of the Abbey of Telem in Francois Rebelais' books. Now, in 1751, the order found a new home when Dashwood leased the lands of Medmanham uh, Abbey, a ruined Cistercian monastery in High Wycombe in Buckingham, uh, Buckinghamshire. Dashwood set about refurbishing the abbey and the stately home on the grounds, and on the archway above the entrance to the abbey was carved that same motto. The grounds were decorated with classical statues, mostly of nude goddesses and satyrs at play, play mostly in this case meaning rape, and, and there was a small chalk cave system was, on the grounds. There was much, of, much as a satyr would, uh, there was uh, uh, kind of his M.O. Yeah. If you've you, ever read anything about, uh, about satyrs. 
they weren't all Mr. Tumnus. <laughs> no. <laughs> they weren't no. just capering around helping kids find lampposts. No, C.S. Lewis. Well, was, I mean, they were kind of helping things find lampposts. It's just a very. Yeah, C.S. Lewis put the old flesh kinda, post. <laughs> yeah, he put a few layers of nice between what satyrs actually were. And there was actually a small chalk cave system on the grounds that was expanded for use not only as a wine cellar, which would make sense, but to play host to the order's meetings. Uh, the original order, now known as the Friars of Medmenum, had an inner circle of 12 members, much like the 12 apostles, but their mem- as their membership expanded, an officiate system was put in place. Now, members included Dashwood himself, a guy named John Montague, who was the fourth Earl of Sandwich, famed lawyer and jurist Thomas Potter, a guy named George Bub Doddington, who was a famously fat man in his 60s, had a reputation for being the fattest man in England. And he kind of wore it. Like, it was kind of his thing. It was his thing. He loved it. Well, this is, of course, the 1750s when fat meant powerful. Mm -hmm. You're well-fed. You kind of wanted to be a little bit fat. And uh, and the artist William Hogarth and the radical politician John Wilkes. Now, also said to be a part of these meetings was none other than Benjamin Franklin, who attended as a non-member in his visits to England in 1757 and 1758 because at the time he was a representative for the colony of Pennsylvania. (coughs) <coughs> the first official meeting of the new club was held on Walpurgis Night, 1752, as the members, dressed as Roman gods, Catholic cardinals, and mythological beasts, entered the caves with walls covered in murals displaying phallic symbols, bacchanalian drinking displays, hardcore pornography, and classic gods and creatures of myth. The meetings contained rituals that were meant to mock the traditional Christian ceremonies of the time, decrying the Eucharist, making fun of the Twelve Apostles, preaching sermons about the virtues of deflowering nuns, although there's no evidence to suggest that they ever actually did that as an act, uh, singing profane hymns that were sung to the tunes of popular church hymns at the time, uh, but with the subject matter mostly based around praise of the devil and free and perverse sexual acts, and devotions and sacrifices were made to the classical gods, whose domains tended to be those of the more base needs of humanity, gods like Bacchus, Minerva, Venus, the nymphs, the satyrs, and of course, Priapus, the rustic fertility god whose main feature is a constant, massively oversized boner. I can get down with that. <laughs> I mean, like, four feet long. Well, like, if you look at Priapus statues from ancient Rome, it's, it's, it's a dude and then a dick the size of the dude. It's... I'm it's in. Kinda, I'm, I'm, I'm in. It's kind of fun. I miss the way they did things in the old days. I'm going to get one of those on my front porch. Like, the lady next door has that Virgin Mary. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just make sure the erection's fate, like, just dead staring. Just dead center. It's one way to keep away the Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> <laughs> now, although this all seems harmless enough, it is said that pacts were made with Satan himself in these rituals in exchange for wealth and long life or freedom from diseases such as gout and syphilis, which fairly sure they all had, and full black masses were carried out as well as rituals to summon demonic beatings into the mortal realm. Now, once the devotional portion of the meetings had concluded, the members processed from the caves to the restored chapel on the abbey grounds, uh, the chapel itself also covered in basically paintings of hardcore porn. Uh, and the partying would begin. Massive feasts and enough booze to kill everybody there was the norm. But this was also normal for for quite a lot of clubs in the 18th century. I mean, these were dining clubs, drinking clubs. It was all a lot of it was about eating and drinking to excess. What made the Hellfire Club different was the sexual aspect. 
because the indulgence in food and drink was normally followed with a variety of um, let's call it different activities. They did they did mix it up. They really did. <laughs> if nothing else, it would, uh, they kept it fresh. Women would be brought in, and depending on the source you read, it was either the mistresses and concubines of the members, or local prostitutes, or some combination of the two. Support your local economy. Mm-hmm. Uh, although the running thread throughout uh, all of this is that the women were referred to as the Abbey's nuns. Uh, the activities that would take place later in the evening could include anything from group masturbation, which also featured in the ritualistic element of the meetings, to voyeurism, group sex, gay sex, little shows being put on by the ladies, all sorts of indulgences and particular kinks. There are even rumors of bestiality and incest, although these were probably made up by the club's detractors later on. And now we actually know that their meetings tended to take place on Wednesdays and Saturdays between June and September. <laughs> Twice a week, who has time for that? Oh, yeah. Uh, As we have surviving copies of the kitchen and cellar books from the Abbey, listing purchases and the consumption of the food and alcohol, and it, I mean, it's impressive, (laughs) quite frankly, how much these people ate and drank. I I feel like Ben Franklin could take a cask of ale himself on a Saturday night. To the face. We know that it happened in June to September because this was the period when Parliament was in recess so that the members would leave London uh, London for their Buckinghamshire estates to escape the city in the hotter summer months. And most of the members were also members of Parliament. Now, one thing that tended to plague Dashwood's club was the constant bickering and disagreements between the members. As, like I said, most of them were members of Parliament or had some other part in government. A lot of them were not always members of the same party. So this would lead to most of the rumors about the Friars... uh, coming to us today because most of them were published in letters written by the members themselves to attack their opponents within the club. So by the 1760s, most of the original members had either died or been driven out and the club fell into decline. And while the bad blood between members was kept to uh, stuffy attack pamphlets or exchanges of drunken insults, there's one particular episode between the radical politician John Wilkes and the conservative John Montague, Earl of Sandwich, that stands out as one of the better pranks I think I've ever heard of. So sometime toward the end of the 1750s, Wilkes secured the purchase of a baboon from another member of the club who had served in the colonial government in India. So I guess he's the baboon guy. (laughs) Now Wilkes hid the creature in his room, dressed it up as a devil, and then placed it in a chest with a spring lock that would open with the assistance of an invisible piece of string that was tied to Wilkes' fingers. Now, when Sandwich was kneeling in the chapel during the mockery of some Christian ritual or another, with hands and eyes pointed skyward, Wilkes released the baboon (laughs) among the horrified members and jumped onto Montague's shoulder as he lay prostrate on the floor. And when he turned his head to look at what had jumped onto his shoulder, he thought he had seen the devil come to carry him away to hell. Also, bear in mind, it's, like, it's highly likely that Montague had never seen a baboon before. Yeah, right, right. And if you've never seen a baboon before, and the baboon is suddenly sitting on your shoulder... It would be terrifying. Yeah, that's terrifying. It would be a terrifying experience. So as the baboon put its hands around Montague's neck and started screaming and gibbering at him, as baboons are wont to do, uh, Montague was heard to cry, quote, Spare me, gracious devil! Spare a wretch who was never sincerely your servant! I have sinned only from the vanity of being in fashion... Never have I been able to commit the thousandth part of the vices that of which I have boasted. 
And while the Earl of Sandwich was uttering these words, one of the friars who recovered his senses decided to finally open a window. And the baboon leapt out and escaped into the night, never to be seen again. <laughs> now, where the baboon ended up, we oh. don't know. <laughs> Although, imagine, imagine being a simple townsfolk. Where you're in your village, and just across the street, a baboon dressed as a devil. Oh, I saw sick. that tonight on the way home. Mm-hmm. I would lose my shit. Yeah. <laughs> so one sort this reminds me of when I was in LA. Oh boy. I was visiting my friend Adam and we were we were in LA and it was like a Tuesday afternoon and we're driving through Beverly Hills and the street and the streets weren't busy at all, but we turned a corner and we just saw a dwarf in a cart wearing all black and the cart was being pulled by a goat. What? It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. I don't know. I mean, own it. It's the only thing I can think of that would compare to a baboon dressed as the devil. It's not that weird in Portland, I'm sure. But. <laughs> yeah. So, one source goes so far as to, say, uh, as to say that Montague was so scared that he, quote, shit into his breeches and was vomiting from the terror. That would be, like, pants shittingly terrifying. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's... If you, I mean, they put little clothes on them. Baboons, when they're up close, and you know what a baboon is, is terrifying. They're mean it, creatures. It they cuts a fairly imposing vicious. figure. Oh yeah. Um, Why well, they just get one? <laughs> well, like I said, the, one of the well, no, one of the members of the club belonged to the colonial government in India, so I guess he had a connection. You know, it'd be super funny if I bought an ape. <laughs> Had him ship it over. Let's get down to brass tacks. How much for the ape? How much for the ape? <laughs> they like put him in little baby devil clothes and they just turn him loose. <laughs> child's devil, can you imagine? All over a prank, man. I wish I was rich. <laughs> Hello, sir. Welcome to a fancy 18th century clothier shop. What do you need? I require a child's devil costume. <laughs> With a tail hole. <laughs> to be a marriage ape. <laughs> so. Alright, we gotta get back on track. I don't even know where track is. I do. So by 1762, Dashwood's club had really gone into decline, thanks to Dashwood's star falling in government, because he was made Chancellor of the Exchequer, think uh, Secretary of the Treasury, and he was forced to resign after causing a whole bunch of riots, because he brought forth a bill to raise taxes on ale and cider. Good Christ. The man in the drinking club proposed raising taxes on ale. Well, because they were drinking port and claret. Uh, John Wilkes was arrested and disgraced on charges of seditious libel against King George III, and many of the other members either died or ended up taking up postings too far away from Buckinghamshire to attend. Now, of course, the British Empire is growing very quickly at this time, so you have a lot of guys that end up in America, you have guys that end up in India, um, or they end up with positions in the House of Lords that made their membership in the Friars too much of a liability, and some of them did have the good sense to back out. Now, there were no mentions of any meetings at Medmenham after 1766, and the next year, Dashwood's lease on the land came to an end. Dashwood died in 1781 after a long illness. Now, a couple of other contemporary groups have been described as Hellfire Clubs, although they don't share the significance of any of the groups we've mentioned previously. Uh, You have the Phoenix Society. It was founded in 1781 by Joseph Alderson, who was Francis Dashwood's nephew. It was founded in Dashwood's honor at Bracenose College in Oxford, and while they quickly gained a Hellfire Club-like reputation, they were uh, they were a dining and drinking club for rich young toffs. And 
They didn't really deserve the reputation they had. They weren't wicked. It was just a bunch of old money rich kids coming together to enjoy each other's company. Uh, although the Phoenix, uh, Phoenix Club still does exist today, doing pretty much the same thing. Now, another club that shares a similar reputation was a group founded in 1739 outside Edinburgh, Scotland, known as the Beggar's Benison. And this has been known since as the Scottish Hellfire Club. The members, uh, drawn from the upper classes, dined and drank, as always, exchanged obscene songs and toasts, as always. Uh, this one's a little different. They held lectures on sex and anatomy. Huh. Uh, often bringing in prostitutes as demonstration models. One thing Way better than these nerdy-ass TED Talks we're still getting for some reason. <laughs> uh, one thing they were famous for was their use of rituals involving collective masturbation, particularly in their initiation ceremony. Uh, the club seems to have disappeared by the 1820s, and it never had the dark, devilish reputation of its southern contemporaries, although it did attract the attention of some of the more bombastic religious figures in Scotland, but they never had the, the pull to really shut it down. Now that brings us to today, and to the influence that the Hellfire Clubs have had over the years and whether or not they still continue to exist. Now one group that we know for sure drew their inspiration from the Hellfire Clubs was famed magician, occultist, and so-called wickedest man in the world, and master of topping from the bottom, Aleister Crowley. Yeah! Bow, bow, bow. Mr. Crowley! Uh, so famed for his hedonistic, libertine ways and his disregard for anything that resembled the good and normal, Crowley founded a school of magical thought and philosophy that he called Thelema, uh, after the name given to the old, uh, and he gave the name to an old house he purchased in Kefalu, Sicily, in order to build a magical commune based around the idea of pure free will. The name, of course, is taken directly from the fictional abbey in Rebelais, Gargantua, and Pantagruel, and the motto, Do As Thou Wilt, became the guiding philosophy for Crowley's followers and formed the basis for his famed Book of the Law, expanding the motto to, quote, Do as thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. Uh, followers of the Thelema School of Magic, magic with a K, uh, do still exist today, although how many uh, and whether or not, how many there are and whether or not they build a lifestyle similar to that of the Hellfire Club, it's completely unknown. We have no way to figure it out. So glad we got to Aleister Crowley. This is a guy, we're going to have to have like a nine episode series. There's a bunch. We'll pick different events from Crowley's life. One of my, <laughs> one of my favorite events, though, he had this, this poor guy who became his assistant. Guy, uh, Kyle, I know you love this story. Do you yeah, want to pick it up? It's so good. I'll let you do the details as I cackle. So, I, I, and unfortunately, I didn't have the good sense to write this guy's name down. But he became like Crowley's magical assistant. And so many of the rites and rituals Magical that Crowley was assistant. performing involved involved sex and it involved dude on dude sex. But it is it's, Crowley it, was a legendary switch. He was a legendary switch. That's correct. <laughs> he he had, but it said that he drove that that there was one. It's a ritual. I there think. was one ritual they were taking part in where his assistant was required to to penetrate, um, to, well, basically to do Crowley in the butt. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. And okay, yeah, I can try to. Dance yeah, there's no the there's no real way to do it. Just to, yeah. like just to just clap cheeks. Just the <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the top of the pyramid of butt stuff. Yeah, and um, it's. After the ritual, supposedly the assistant went mad and was committed to an, uh, an asylum for the rest of his life. So, I mean, just... Crowley, Crowley had... Crowley powerbombed this guy into madness. Into abject madness. <laughs> he 
ruined the man's sanity with his butthole. Stare not into the into the butthole. <laughs> for the, the Look butthole. not into the abyss for the abyss stares the, back. The butthole gazes also <laughs> unto ye. Yeah, it's incredible. He <laughs> could probably make it wink. Oh, oh God! Geez. You, you Thanks, know what, Kyle? Kyle? You crossed a line. Thanks, Kyle. You crossed a line, Kyle. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Now, several uh, groups in My fiction. mother listens to this, Kyle. <laughs> There's no way in hell my mother listens to this. <laughs> because we use the swear words. Yeah, we use curses. Talk uh, about b-holes. My mother does listen to this. Yeah, she loves it. Hi, Mom. Uh, read, read about Aleister Crowley. You'll see we are not exaggerating. So several groups in fiction have also been named the Hellfire Club and modeled after Dashwood's organization. Uh, the most famous is probably the criminal organization and secret society that is found in Marvel's X-Men comics. First brought to us during the Dark Phoenix saga in Uncanny X-Men issue number 129, released, uh, released in January 1980. There have been other numerous mentions of the Now wait, part. hang on, hang on. Something comes to mind here. Just had, just had an epiphany. I was just struck by the bolt. Go on. You can do Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon because Kevin Bacon was Sebastian Shaw in X-Men First Class yes. who was in Hellfire Club and you can connect him to Aleister Crowley's butthole. Please, <laughs> please. I, please. We're going to think about this but I never really... But okay, that's Crowley. Alright, so we'll go through the rest of the episode. We're going to do this. Before we wrap this episode up, I would like you to give me Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. Can I have a from, piece of paper? Oh, of course, yes. I was trying to Google the guy just now so that I could see... Uh, what so, the guy's name was, and like I typed in Alistair Crowley butthole, and I just stopped. I knew what I was doing, and I caught myself. <laughs> so, so, fellas, ladies, everybody else out there, you're listening to it right now. Chris has a challenge. By the end of this episode, he will present Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon six. between Kevin Bacon himself and Alistair Crowley's butthole. So I can knock this out. I can. This is no problem. This is easy street. I already know where I'm going with it. <laughs> so there have been other numerous mentions of the Hellfire Club in uh, various books, novels, and other comics depicting either a libertine secret society, various debauched bars, uh, BDSM clubs, or the namesake of the novel describing the behind-closed-doors goings-on of government in the 1950s with the recently released Jake Tapper novel. Uh, film and TV has their, have their fair share of mentions of the Hellfire Club as well. My personal favorite being Hugh Laurie's idiot Prince George's constant mentions of getting drunk at the naughty old Hellfire Club in the series Blackadder the Third. Ah. If you've never watched Blackadder, every episode in all four series, it's on YouTube. Go watch it. It is piss your pants funny. I love it so much. I think it's on Netflix. It's streaming on something. It might be Amazon Prime, but I, I just saw that Amazon it's streaming. Prime. I think, yeah, I think it is Prime. But it is if streaming. it was on Netflix, I would have found it. Now, does the Hellfire Club still actually exist today, Kyle? I mean, we're out here for a reason. We want to answer. So I've been secretly running a sex society for the past three years. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and does it actually resemble anything like what came before? Now, the answer to the first question is technically yes. And yeah, kind of. And the answer to the second question is it depends on who you ask. There are actually two named Hellfire Clubs, both of them at universities in Ireland, ironically. Huh. Uh, Trinity College Dublin and Maynooth University both have named Hellfire Clubs, and they both basically have the same raison d'etre. To meet secretly, okay, not really all that secretly, um, carry out mock ceremonies and rituals, all of them comedic and not really offensive. These are college kids. They're not going too deep. Shame and, on them. <laughs> yeah. 
Come on, separate with the wheat from the chaff. Take the next step. And they're basically holding drinking parties because Ireland. Uh, both of them are basically glorified fraternities, and the only people they really seem to offend are, and I've, I've seen articles attacking them, are right-wing Northern Irish Protestants who technically aren't even in the same country. <laughs> they're technically oh. living in the UK, but they're going after these Irish universities. And, Irish, and Ireland, to its credit, is going, it's not your problem. Mm. Fuck off. We got bigger fish to fry. Yeah, we got bigger problems to worry about. So, of course, as I mentioned earlier, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of websites where you can find writings about the Hellfire Club existing today, their influence on world events, and ties to other secret societies, either real or made up. And these websites, God, this was a deep dive down the internet. Most of these websites tend to make <laughs> Infowars look like Reuters. Yeah, be careful Googling this shit. I mean, it is, I mean, most of the crap you read is infuriating. But, a lot of it is kind of fun. Uh, you can find calm, well-laid-out titles to pieces like Hellfire Club, Precursor of the Degenerate Luciferian Control Network, with um, eight exclamation points. And uh, all, and I yelled it because the title is in all capitals. Uh, that's from WinterWatch.net. Speaking of titles in all capitals, we also have The Satanic Hellfire Club Exists Today in Form of the Modern Satanic Muslim Obama Government. From JesusIsSavior.net. Oh, that's going to be the name of my black metal album. Uh, that only has one exclamation point. I'm going to make my first metal out. album the name of the two giants that were wiping our asses with ducks. Uh, <laughs> he's Gargantua and I almost said, uh, like, Pergama and Pantagruel. Wait a minute, that's, no. even, that's even nerdier. <laughs> yeah, it's Gargantua and Pantagruel. Yeah, Gargantua's not bad. It's, it's um, kind of on those. Yeah, all of these websites look through look at the modern existence of the Hellfire Club through a conspiracy lens, and almost all of them are doing it from an evangelical Christian standpoint. Now, the first thing they tend to com- uh, equate the Hellfire Club with is Freemasonry. Now, there are connections between the Hellfire Clubs For and sure. Freemasons. The founder of the first Hellfire Club, the Duke of Warden, was elected Grand Master of the <clears throat> of the British Freemasons. There was a lot of cross membership between Hellfire Club members and the Freemasons, and most famously, you have Benjamin Franklin's association with both organizations. There's one problem. It's all bullshit. <laughs> the Freemasons, I mean, this, there's this overarching idea in, in conspiracy land where, like, the Freemasons are a secret underground evil society. There's a million different explanations for exactly what they're trying to do, but... All these pieces I read all all equate the Hellfire Club with existing today in the form of those nefarious Freemasons. It's a social club. Yeah, it's it's a social club, and it's it's and it comes from that same tradition that got us the Hellfire Club. This this forming of clubs in the in the 18th century in the Age of Enlightenment because that was the thing to do in society. You became members of different clubs. I mean, then, of course, we go on to things like uh, the Skull and Bone Society at Yale. Oh, that's that's a Hellfire Club. No, it's not. It's a bunch of old money rich kids coming together in another glorified fraternity. Mm-hmm. Yes, it has ties to the power. There were several former presidents that were members of the Skull and Bone Society. Again, old money rich kids from powerful families. I mean, it... Yeah, and then they, they get into, like, Bohemian Grove... 
and the supposed worshipping of the statue of Moloch at Bohemian Grove, tying into the satanic rites at, at, at these Hellfire Club parties, and then you get into, and you start seeing the Bilderberg group, you start seeing the Illuminati, and then we get into, of course, the big tie, which is the Satanism angle, where it's, you know, the, the, the stories that satanic rituals were being carried out at the Hellfire Club meetings, of course, obviously, they have ties to the satanic government and satanic ritual abuse, which takes us back to the big satanic panic in the mm-hmm. 80s and 90s, yep. and, you know, the idea that Kids were being systematically abused by small satanic groups running daycares and kids being flushed down giant toilets and there's a burning in my rectum. And Man, I, I picked a time to kind of fade back into this conversation from Google. I think they might have been <laughs> Asian. If you go back and watch video of some of the testimony yeah, from the satanic it's, ritual it's abuse trials, it's insane. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's... It, and it's all adults going back to when they were, when they were kids with this stuff that has been pumped into their heads that yeah, never actually yeah, happened. But there are, I mean, throw a metaphorical stone on the internet, and you're going to hit an article linking the Hellfire Club to the Satanic Underground Government, and then you get into phrases like Zionist Underground World Government, and and that's of course where I tend to check out. It's then you get ties to. The Hellfire, uh, the Hellfire Club was put in place to suppress the first theories of flat Earth in the 18th century. Christ it, Almighty! I mean, it just goes Whoa. deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper, and that's the state of the relationship with the Hellfire Club today. There, there are great books out there. There are great articles on the internet doing these history dives, actually trying to look at the evidence. But for every one of those articles, there's two of these articles that just, that, you know, you, your Facebook friends with somebody you, you went to high school with, you don't see anything on your Facebook feed from them for two years, and all of a sudden a link pops up. And you go, oh, I remember why we were never really friends. <laughs> so... I mean, they 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 use blasphemy as a as a as a social mockery tool, and you can go back to it now, and they can find these little yeah. elements and be like, "Oh no, they were dead serious, and this is why they secretly run the earth." Blasphemy is not a big thing. It's, it's a, not. It's a. It's I not. mean, great. Thankfully, here in, here in the United States, it's not a crime. It's not a crime, and if it were a crime, it's a victimless crime. You can't. It, it's not a crime if all, all it does is hurt someone's feelings about the religion that they choose. That's what it is. I mean, it's, you know, I don't want to go too deep, but, yeah, this idea of, yeah, I think it, I think just this whole conspiracy culture that we're now in today based around the Hellfire Club. Which has sadly gone from fringe to mainstream really disappointingly fast there. Yep. So, speak for yourself, man. I think it's fucking great. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. It's hilarious. a lot of it is hilarious. As long as no one's bringing an AR-15 into a pizza shop in D.C., everything's fine and funny. Uh, found an article connecting Com- uh, Comet Pizza to uh, uh, the Hellfire Club. Yeah. yeah, that was the first one. It was the first fucking one that came up. To. <laughs> yeah. I read that one. I was like, wow. Um, I, I found some. I found some Hellfire Club articles that mentioned like QAnon. Uh. 
and the Trump administration. And so I forgot about this QAnon. Stuff, so this stuff is yeah. this stuff is still it's being written to today. So yeah, I try not to read those articles just because, like, once you start reading those articles, I skim them over. You read those articles. I I was already dealing with enough anger that day, so I didn't want to <laughs> dip too much into it. So well, I don't want to brag, but uh. Well, I guess who just finished his homework? We'll wrap up with that. I know. I just want to let you. I told you I could bang out. So, what do you guys? What do you guys think about the Hellfire Club existing today? Uh, it doesn't have to exist today because we have mm-hmm. social media. Well, we have social media, and we're dealing with a different we, time. Like, yeah, it's a different time. It's a different. It's. Well, I mean, society ultimately isn't all that different, but on the internet, you can be whatever you want. So you, you don't find whoever you want. To. Yeah, you you just you don't need to get together with your rich bros and dress up apes. But they still do. Like these clubs absolutely still exist. Oh, they do. Other name. Mm-hmm. Any group of human beings who are doing things outside the societal norm, be that sexual, be that societal, religiously, in a large extent, are carrying on the same legacy. So we're talking, not, yeah, BDSM clubs. Exactly. You know, the the, the idea of like, Oprah's book club. Oprah's book club. <laughs> Jam and Jelly of the Month Club. <laughs> you get a costume baboon. You get a costume baboon. Everybody gets a costume baboon. People are just crying. Now it's not... The difference is now in most places it's not blatantly illegal. No. It's... it's well, and then you get the idea of like Greek life in college. Like the, oh, the all of these initiation rates are supposed to be concealed. I mean, there's no problem with people being part of these private clubs. No, absolutely like, it's, not. I mean, Christ, you go to Penn State and you check off all the boxes we talked about today. Mm-hmm. Pitt, had, Pitt had the Druid <laughs> Secret Society. I mean, they, they, these things are not... Yeah. It's... Yeah, well, and, and also, we are dealing with a different time. We're dealing with a different outlook on sex. We're dealing with different outlooks on religion. There's also are we change. dealing with a different outlook on sex overall? Are we I mean, really? Well, I mean, in, in the idea... Are, are we really? Did you read the open letter that the mother wrote to so that women would stop wearing yoga pants because of her kids? Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Think that? of a mother with sons. Oh, oh, somebody never somebody to strike a human being as much as, as somebody who's in life. the opposition movement to that level. <laughs> no, it, so I'm talking about the idea that you don't have to be a member of parliament to have a membership of BDSM club. Yes, right. You okay. don't have to have. Um, so the the exclusivity is gone. You're you saying. don't. Yeah, you don't have to be a member of parliament to be a part of your local Freemasons. Yeah. It's, it's also it's, not hard to find now. It's not that hard to find internet. because of the internet. Can, yeah. And we also are dealing with another big change, and that's and that's the change in Satanism. Yeah. Modern Satanism yeah. is so... De- Modern Satanism is... It does tie into this idea. It's Don't get me wrong. Satan is still a massive bugaboo for an awful lot of people. Absolutely. An awful lot of wackadoo people who are still walking around thinking that Satan walks among mm-hmm. us. I mean... Christ, he, I know he, he does. does. His name is, he does. His name is Yasiel Puig, but that's a different. <laughs> but but no, Satanism is discussion. now largely you know in the cultural norm is 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 themed yeah. Satanism. Yeah, it really is. It's it's Levian Satanism. It's yeah. it's it's meant to poke fun at organized religion and promote free thought and it's trolling state governments with Baphomet statues. And it's mostly it's mostly slightly gothy polyamorous people getting yeah. together putting chicken blood on themselves. Yeah. I mean, it's not that bad. It's chicken blood, I, Kyle. I, I, so it's not know. exactly the heart of evil. How <laughs> <laughs> much for the ape? I mean, don't get me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. First it's, my goofs. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think the Hellfire Club does not exist today 
as we thought it did because it doesn't need to exist. Yeah, it simply doesn't have to. It did exist the way that popular culture That's it out That's true. Yeah, it was never... I doubt, yeah, I doubt it was... They're great stories, and that's the reason we, they were we went after it. They were trolls before the internet, and that's they had true. a goddamn good time doing it. You know what the problem was? In my opinion, they peaked with the fart guys. <laughs> you just, you fart flew guys too close to the, the actual sun. Hellfire Club. You flew too close to the sun, and they just they peaked too soon. The first meeting of the Pittsburgh Fart Club will take place on... <laughs> the first meeting of the Pittsburgh Fart Club took place when I moved back. Kyle, fetch me my juniper. <laughs> fetch me my juniper water, which with with which I may tune my arse. Um, <laughs> I mean, look, don't get me wrong. There's still definitely powerful people who have... who try to carry out this air of, of moral superiority or being morally upright or, you know... Okay, shoot from the hip. Who do you think is... Who do you think is in one of these clubs? If they still if they existed today, if the Hellfire Club existed today, who do you think would be in it? I'm tell you right now because we saw a window into this not that long ago. You remember Ted Haggard? Yep, Ted Haggard. Ted Haggard, player. head of the National Association of Evangelicals, was the guy who pretty much single handedly turned the 2004 presidential election yeah. from a refer- from from being about the Iraq War to a referendum on boys kissing. Famously anti-gay marriage, famously anti-anything LGBT, got arrested by the Colorado Springs Police Department in a hotel room after a 56-hour sexual bout with a male prostitute fueled by meth. You know, I was actually going for kind of a joke on that one, but thanks, Rob. <laughs> uh, sorry, I, was, I had to watch some stuff out there. He, he took a wide stance in the airport bathroom. <laughs> that was Larry Craig. That was, that was so funny. Have you ever read the police report? For that one? <laughs> yes. Oh, it's fucking amazing. Well, here's the here's the well, crazy he's, thing he's, too. Is Ted Haggard? He's never... talking about seeing the finger. The cop talking about seeing like groping <laughs> fingers <laughs> coming out of his. He just handed him his badge. <laughs> Yeah, and then he, re- oh, then he refused to come out. So That's great. We'll post that. There's a mini scene in a bathroom yeah. stall. It, oh, I just have a wide stance. Yeah, um, take a wide stance. <laughs> Groping fingers. <laughs> I was asking for twenty. Just the badge underneath was perfect. Yeah, just gave him the badge. It's, but so, and also Ted Haggard. Here's why he pissed me off because he never had to do anything more than community service because he had an eight thousand seat mega church in Colorado Springs. Mm-hmm. The county DA. And the chief of police and the arresting officer, all members of his church. I was actually going to throw out Joel Osteen for the same, very similar reasons. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. Anybody. Yeah, absolutely Joel Osteen. That dude is way too squeaky clean. Mm -hmm. Way too squeaky clean. Has always been squeaky clean. Yep. Um, You know who I'm going to go with? Chip and Joanna Gaines off of HGTV. I was going to go with Donnie and Marie. <laughs> Donnie and Marie, they're into weird shit. It's weird I mean, don't get me wrong. Put me in a room full of people and tell me who do you think is really into the freaky behind closed doors shit while they're putting out this air of moral superiority. Mm-hmm. Give me anybody with pastor in front of their name. Yeah. Sorry. I mean... Me thinks that it does protest too much. It's... Hey, we've all, we've all got our vices. We've all got our, our, our things. But... Don't tell me you don't have them. Yeah, let's. Don't tell me you don't have them. The original clubs really didn't pull from the religious community, though. No, they didn't. Mm-mm. No, they didn't. But nowadays, nowadays in, in 2019, I also I just you're also dealing with the fact that, and this ties back into the, all the, all these conspiracy people and tying the Hellfire Clubs into all these groups like Bohemian Grove and the Bilderberg Group and you know the, the secret world government and all that shit. Is of course, we're, of course, these people with with who are just fabulously rich, who have billions and billions of dollars of fuck you money, are 
going to hang out with people like them. If I had a billion Heaven dollars... Heaven they're ever around the working classes. If I had a billion dollars, I would buy an estate in the UK mm-hmm. and rebuild an abbey... And just and do whatever the hell I wanted. Get, get really weird with it. Like, right. Well, let's, <laughs> let's, let's say this right now. Gentlemen, raise your glasses. Should we ever become fabulously wealthy... Refounding the Hellfire Club. I can't wait to own a compound. (laughs) (laughs) It always works out great. And that's going to bring us to... Oh, my homework, homework, Chris. My homework. Well, guess what, bitches? All right, we're doing Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. And I am connecting Kevin Bacon to Aleister Crowley's butthole. (laughs) Kevin Bacon. Starting a few good men alongside Tom Cruise. Who is a practicing Scientologist. It was founded by L. Ron Hubbard. Oh, I think I know where you're going with this. Ozzy Osbourne emulated the outfits that Hubbard wore, wrote the song Mr. Crowley. Oh, shit. That's not where I thought you were going. (laughs) Because didn't Hubbard hang out with one? Hubbard? He was a super fan. I don't know if they spent time together, but he was like a... Hubbard used to hang out with a rocket scientist. He stand him. Who was a a Thalema protege. Yep. Yep. Um, but anyway, sorry. Well, they, so the song, Mr. Crowley, and Ozzy Osbourne, Mr. Crowley, and Mr. Crowley, Crowley has a butthole. Half a butthole. <laughs> Gentlemen, suck it. <laughs> You're welcome. Drink up, bitches. <laughs> On National Beer Day, again. Woo! National Beer Day, happy Again, what are we drinking this time? Oh, God. Um, I think we're all drinking different beers. I am drinking different beer. This time, I'm actually, I'm on my second beer of the day. I mean, I know but I'm drinking a uh, double IPA from Trillium Brewery that is is delicious, and uh, you could you could have is, a cell phone in this. That's beer. a damn milkshake. You so, can't be looking at that thing. Yeah, that's. Um, had a, I'm drinking Old Standby. I have uh, Ballast Point Sculpin. Yeah. So that's uh, that's the Hellfire Club. That's our two partner on the Hellfire Club. So uh, next time we're going to be going back to pirates. Back yeah, to it's finally, finally, but long last. In a slightly indirect way, though, we're going to be going back to pirates via Elizabeth the First. The Pirate Queen. Mm-hmm. We did we touched on this in, in a prior episode didn't slightly. We? Yeah, uh, the Privateers episode. Mm-hmm. We talked a little slightly. bit about that. Yeah, and we're going to talk about how she basically built England using pirates and privateers. Should be a fun look. Uh, it's going to be interesting, and it's going to uncover a lot of really interesting characters. So yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks of course to Jack, our canine outreach ambassador, who slept on the floor. The whole Shut up, shut up, shut up. Don't, don't, Thanks, don't ruin Thanks, of course, to Bloody Semen, too, for letting us use their music. Um, social media. You can find me, Rob, on Instagram at Meatneck. You can find me on Twitter at Meatneck, too. If you really want to find me on Instagram, you can follow me at Nightlife Commando. Uh, you should find us and the podcast on social media at Podcast TRR on Twitter, on Instagram, and Facebook. Oh, I'm sorry. And on Instagram, we are at TRR Pod. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you do search Thieves, Rogues, and Renegades, it'll pop up for you. If you search us that way on Facebook and YouTube, you can follow us there. Please feel free to throw us a like on Facebook. Like and subscribe on YouTube to get all of our new material as it comes up. Uh, we've been rolling around some ideas for doing a little video content. So we're going to start expanding that one in the not-too-distant future. And if you like what you heard today, uh, don't be shy about visiting our Patreon page. That's right. At www.patreon.com slash trrpod. Yep, for as little as a buck a month, you can support what we do if you uh, if you like what we're putting out there. And uh, thank you in advance. You'll be recognized on the podcast, and you get all sorts of great new content, early access to episodes, and maybe some really fun stuff coming down the pipe here. Yeah, just soon. think, if you, were, if you were a Patreon subscriber, you would have already have heard this episode. Yeah. 
And uh, we will see you. If you're a Patreon subscriber, we can't wait to drink with you in Valhalla. <laughs> we will see you in the mighty halls. You are um, awaited. Yeah, Kyle, thanks for uh, hanging out with us today. You're always welcome. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Have yeah, a great time. And Stop um, by the kitchen anytime, Kyle. Yep. Uh, happy National Beer Day, everybody. Go out there. Um, you don't have necessarily have to form your own Hellfire Club, but maybe just inject a little Hellfire into your lives. Pour a little out for Mr. Crowley's butthole. Sweet, sweet Crowley's butthole. Rest in peace. <laughs> when you stare into the abyss, the abyss, the abyss stares, stares back. back. <laughs> And uh, when that dude was penetrating Crowley, what did he tell him? Hold fast. Hold fast.